And in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Investment Income Property Podcast. My name is Jeff Eady, as always. And uh, joining today is my good friend, co-host, and uh, one of the best brokers in Canada. Definitely, uh, definitely earned earned his stripes, as they say in the business. Mr. Jonathan Tilger. Jonathan, how are you today, sir? Awesome, Jeff. Yourself, and thanks uh, as always. Thanks for incredible intro. I love, I love, uh, love just getting on and, and us just having a chat here. So much fun. Yeah. <laughs> I wish sometimes people could hear what we're saying before we come on, uh, <laughs> but those are personal conversations. Exactly. So, um, but we do have fun. I gotta say. Today, I want to put a positive spin on this as, as we were just talking. Um, I, I, I really want to get into this, though, because, you know, I, I don't deal with your side of the, the, the business. I don't deal with mortgages. Um, I have. But even, you know, talking to people and, and hearing what you have to say, there seems to be some very common practices when it comes to what a really good agent's going to do versus one that's maybe mediocre. And... Um, you know, you've certainly trained enough. I know you had 90 agents working for you at one time. Um, I can only imagine how many you've had to train to get 90. <laughs> a few. Um, so let's start with some of the practice, because I know you and I just in casual conversations have talked about people who've come to you with say, less than reputable um, practices, and you wouldn't even interview them. And let's talk about those best practices you had set up, you know, your standard of excellence for any agents that worked under you and kind of go from there. All right. Thanks. Uh, the, the, the first place I'll just say to start out with that is the, the number one thing you want is integrity. You want somebody who, when they're going through, you're making sure they're asking you questions or finding out what's important to you, really helping you reach to help you reach your objectives as the borrower, exactly. As as the borrower, and I'll just I'll just say on real estate, real estate in general. And th this this goes really for any any transaction. You want to make sure that whoever whoever the salesperson you're dealing with, who's helping to get you something, be it a house, be it a car, that they are really looking out for your interests and making sure they're meeting your needs. Yeah. Um... It, it's funny because some of the old axioms in the business, like uh, the guy who sold the, the Brooklyn Bridge or I got some swampland down in Florida for you. Uh, I actually, I think if, if I'm not mistaken, those were actually the same guy. Um, but that's something, you know, that persists to this day. I'm, I'm, I'm 42 years old and I remember back in the 80s hearing and, um, those cliches. And, and it, it hasn't changed completely in the business you're always going to find that element but i really think it, it's funny for me okay this is actually something i was thinking this morning i uh i got into the mortgage business we'll say about six years ago and i believe i came into the business at a time when integrity had never been higher regulation had never been higher um the reputation of mortgage brokers has in my eyes at that time there was nothing tarnishing it However, there's an old way of thinking that people had when it came to, say, the late 80s, early 90s, when agents and brokers first kind of came about, and there were some shady characters. And it's, it's really interesting for me, you know, coming in when I came in to see the difference in that, when you talk to some older people, 
and they, you know, they have a totally different view of, of brokers and agents. So <clears throat> let's talk about the integrity thing. When you were looking at, at hiring an agent, what did you look for as far as integrity? Uh, well, the one thing I'll it's just say. It's hard to find, I know. <laughs> yeah, but the, 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 one, the one place I will start with is that, uh, number one, that when they're dealing, when they're putting together a file for a client, they're going to be truthful. Mm-hmm. Uh, just meaning there are still some brokers out there who will falsify documentation. So that was just a zero tolerance policy, a hundred percent in, in my brokerage. And if ever I found out the person was let go on the spot, there wasn't a, Hey, you've got a false document in here. You're gone. Uh, so, so that was one thing, but as far as the integrity with the client, it's really, it's taking the time to find out what the client really wants, not pushing something on them that is not necessarily the best product for them. Now, generally speaking, I'll just say in, I'll call it the, the prime, your, your A lending market, you don't see that as much. It's more when you get into the B and the C side, B private and so forth, where you see more of that and, And the big thing that I saw is the agents who would, I'll say, go for the quick buck. They would just say, hey, here's someone in a bad situation. I can make a few extra thousand bucks on them. Instead of of getting my fee of 2,000, I can get seven or eight from them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The people who I saw doing that, what I saw was that two, three, four, five years later, they were still doing that. They were still chasing because they didn't build up a reputation for themselves or they did build up a reputation, but it was a negative reputation. So, so you get the one and done kind of. Exactly. Ver- ver- versus the clients who, yes, I, I've dealt with B clients. I've dealt with C clients. I've dealt with all kinds of things. I put private mortgages in place, but I always went through and set up what's the game plan for my client. I want to get them out of this. So that way, so that way in a year's time, they're not having, they're not having B rates. They're back to a rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so with that being in mind, clients come back all the time. They refer all the time because they ultimately say, hey, here's someone, here's somebody good. And so it's kind of like, yeah, when, when you find somebody good, you want to keep that person because there are, if you just go out and try and find somebody, you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think people generally use referrals for business regardless. Uh, unless it's somebody that's, you know, perhaps an authority figure that they see on television, which is just a whole different thing. Um, but in general, you want somebody to, to, to recommend you. I think it was, um, yeah, it was Zig Ziglar. I remember him always talking about, I think he, uh, on his suitcase had AAFTO. No, it was, yeah. Uh, AAFTO stenciled on a suitcase so he could feel it when he was in a sales meeting you know and it says always ask for the order and then he said you know i would change the o to an r always ask for the referral yeah and if somebody had a good experience you know why not i've uh, i've gone to many restaurants that i've told people about and uh they don't pay me a fee for it but i was darn happy to tell people about it unless it's a really good one and i don't tell anybody about <laughs> because they only have four seats inside <laughs> yeah, exactly uh, <laughs> and you know just to further that integrity thing um i believe what john maxwell says about people he, he says uh you can't you can't teach somebody integrity so don't hire people and try to teach them integrity you find people with integrity and work from there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for, further to that point, I mean, 
the next point, obviously you want somebody knowledgeable and all that, but, but yeah, hiring people, I would start with the integrity and knowing you can build the knowledge and, mm-hmm. and knowing that, okay, somebody, if they don't know it, just don't promise anything you're not sure of when you're t- meeting with a client, just say, I'll get back to you and get back to them in a timely manner. Come back, yep. call, call me up as soon as you're out of that meeting, ask me the question. Let's, let's figure out, then you can get back to them immediately. I, you know what? I think that's a great point to, uh, to expand upon. Um, just because somebody's new in the business doesn't mean they're bad because if they've, you know, that's where you need to understand who they work with. But I imagine you've had some very good agents who didn't know anything in the beginning and leaned on you pretty hard. Um, but they were good people and they, they got business and, and they did right by people and became very good at their craft. Exactly. And it, it, it comes down to, do they take the time? I mean, do they take the time to learn? as they're going through and do they take the time really back to the, my initial point, do they take the time with the client to find out what's important to the client? Mm-hmm. Cause once you find out what's important to the client, now you can discuss, you may not be able to meet every single thing there. Well, I want to have the best rate. Well, if someone's sitting at a, a 580 beacon score, so they're, they don't qualify for a, then that's going to be off the table, but mm-hmm. let's have a discussion. Let's make sure that you're fully aware of what's available, where you stand, what you need to do so you can get back to that side and, and lay it, lay out a game plan for them. So if they do want to take action, they know fully what they're getting into today. And it's not kind of like, Oh yeah, we'll get it done. We'll get it done. We'll get it done. Oh, we, we, You've got an offer. Great. We've got the offer. Um, now turn around. Oh, guess what? Here's, here's what I can get you. It's a percent and a half higher than what I told you. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, that happened to you recently. <laughs> not, it, it, to, it, not to you, but to one of your clients that got hornswoggled, we'll say. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it wasn't a percent and a half jump, but they were a little bit surprised when the person came back. Really? with exactly what I offered them and told them from the start, because I just knew based on the circumstance, what they, what they could do. And, and, and they got, they got bought in and they were not happy with that situation. I, you know what? I don't want to talk about that situation specific, but I do want to talk about feeling pressure from somebody. If you're a borrower uh, and you're feeling pressure from your realtor or your agent or, or anybody like that, that should never be happening. Am I correct? Unless, of course, there's a timeline and they're the ones who stipulated the timeline and everything has to line up. They shouldn't feel pressured to go with you. They should want to be in business with you, right? That That's completely the case. I mean, when you look at who do you want to do business? Who do you want to be friends with? It's people that you like and that, that you can have an honest conversation with. And they're going to be okay with what you say. Mm-hmm. I mean, the handful, there, there was only one time in my entire career where I say that I actually physically put pressure on someone and, and physically, it, well, not physically, but, but, but <laughs> it, 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 it was, it was close, <laughs> but, uh, but, but where, where I actually did put pressure on him just because, and it was just around the fact that, that he had a property that was held in his, it was actually, he was a chiropractor, he had a property held in his chiropractic clinic's name. That was where where his where his office was, and there was an opportunity for him to buy this property, but for him to qualify, he needed his wife on the deal. He didn't want to get his wife in, involved. Mm-hmm. I sp- when I finally put a little bit of pressure to have the conversation with the wife, and I had to put a bit to get there. His wife said, like, "Yeah, no problem. He she'll sign on. No problem. We went through. Everything was fine." And two years later, he came back so grateful, so thankful because of him buying that property. All the stuff it allowed him to do with his business that mm-hmm. he may not have been able to do. Mm-hmm. Not not to mention the fact that the property's exploded in value and everything else. But but that was that was 
the only time where I can look back through my, what, 13, 14 years in this business where I, I really used, call it hard close techniques and just put a lot of pressure on him. <laughs> but it was because I was looking out for what he really wanted at his best interest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would and imagine it, you had a pretty good relationship with that person first. I had a very good relationship. Yeah. And he was somebody who, after that, after that was singing my praises and he actually sent me a lot of referrals for that one. <laughs> well, that's the old thing. Uh, you know, you, you have to be polite with people that you're not close to, but uh, your closest friends, you can call them names with a smile on your face and you both know what you really mean. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, if it's somebody you've never worked with, there should never be pressure. And it is a competitive field. And I get that you want to, you, you want the sale, especially in the beginning, but um it should never feel the pressure. The, the client should never feel pressured to make such a massive financial commitment, yes. especially when it's like over years and it affects their whole family and, and stuff like that. Like it, it's one of the things I really uh, appreciate about you uh, is your adroit style of mortgage brokering, where if somebody can't afford it, you just like, you can't afford this. <laughs> like, well, what are you trying to do? Cause this isn't going to work. <laughs> Uh, here's here's what can work yes but what you're trying to do just it, it, it doesn't work that way and it's funny because uh we we well i don't but you definitely and we talk about the the different styles and uh you know we'll probably do a podcast on that next actually the different styles of mentality when it comes to real estate investing and and boy howdy some of it just doesn't work <laughs> You, I mean, you. everyone's got to start by being realistic and looking at if you're saying, well, I want to get here, but you're down here. And for those of you, as this is audio, I know you can't see my hands, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, <laughs> but, but you've got to be realistic with where you are today and say, well, if you want to get there. You're not going to, it's not going to be one step. You're going to have to take, a, you're going to have to take several steps to first of all, move where you are. But the important part is to, is to get the process moving, get it started, mm-hmm. but be realistic where you are. So you can start where you are, get it moving. So you can slowly get to that point. Oh yeah. I've definitely, when I was uh, an agent, I definitely got those phone calls that, uh, Hey, I need you to help me set up with real estate investing so I can retire. Okay. When do you expect to retire? Two years. <laughs> <laughs> now it doesn't work that way. Um, so let's talk about a, a few more things that, you know, the sign that you're working with somebody who really knows their stuff when it comes to a mortgage agent or a broker, um, just that they're on the ball. Like what, what do you think would be like the, the key defining factor? I know what I, I think it would be, but as a, a borrower, you're, you know, you're working with somebody, but how do you define that they're really good? Uh, uh, as I said, the, the two main things come down to integrity. Mm-hmm. Are, are they honest? Are they upfront? And, uh, and then the second thing, the second thing really comes down to their knowledge base. Now it's tough if you don't really know the full knowledge that's out there. Uh, but how, how do you assess what, what, what are the things you said? You've got a couple things. What are your things? That's top of mind. Number one for me. And thanks for asking, uh, <laughs> would be uh, communication. Yeah. Communication with the borrower, with the realtor, with the lawyer, if necessary. Um, nobody really talks about it, but the mortgage broker is kind of the quarterback of the deal. Um, 
you know, maybe they don't get uh, the same commissions that a realtor or whatever does, but without the mortgage guy and without solid communication from the mortgage person, the deal doesn't happen. Yeah. And, and how many times have you had it where you hear people say, well, I haven't heard back from, from the agent in however long. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that, uh, you know, you've, you've definitely stressed to me and that's why, that's why it was high on my list. I know I put you on the spot there, but to me, you know, you should be accessible, plain and simple. Should be accessible and, and should, that's an excellent point. So thanks, Jeff. It's something that I have said in the past, but actually I wasn't even thinking there, but I, I love that you bring it up. I, I love that you bring it up right now because that is key is, is how, and you can tell a lot by how they're communicating with you. Mm-hmm. As, as you said, are they replying in a timely manner? Are they polite and courteous with, well, well, I'll say being direct at the same time. I mean, mm-hmm. polite and courteous. I don't mean they're sitting there going, hi, how are you? How was your day today? It's, it, I mean, cause ultimately you want to, you, you're busy. You want to get to the point of it. And so, yeah, hi. I mean, a nice, hi, how, how, how are you? Boom. And then get to, here's what we need. Here's what, we, I mean, they outline clearly what they need from mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. both documentation wise, they take a little bit of time to find out what's important to you. Mm-hmm. So ask, so asking you, I mean, going through looking at looking at your budget, looking at your income coming in. Yes, we've got our GDS TDS uh, and saying, well, based on this, you can afford you can afford a place that's eight hundred thousand dollars. But if you're saying, you know what, you really want to keep your mortgage payment to twenty five hundred dollars or below. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so have they asked you that question? Have they gone through those things? And if, and if they haven't, are they just trying to basically get you the biggest sale possible mm-hmm. so, because it means more commission for them? And th- th- this goes both, both, I'll just say both for the real estate and, and, the, and, the, uh, and the mortgage side. Yeah. Uh, I've definitely seen the brakes put on uh, a, a few people from buying a house that is just out of their reach. Um, when it's come from the other side where, you know, it's sales driven. I get it. But when somebody, you look at their finances, like you afford this, you won't be able to afford a taxi to work. You know, it, uh, it makes a big difference. And I'd like to definitely dig into some of those pitfalls. Uh, a couple of things uh, I'd like to chat about within that communication thing. I think, you, you know, there's, there's definitely a couple of things to look for. First and foremost, if you get a gut feeling about somebody, trust it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, every time I haven't, I've regretted it. And um, one of my mentors said to me that uh, if you get a gut feeling about somebody, trust it because it's actually your subconscious referencing a file that you're not aware of saying, hey, this looks like this and this happened. So trust it. Uh, I thought that was a really logical explanation of it. I was like, oh man, that makes sense. Uh, The other thing would be, you know, answering phone calls and emails within reason. Does it happen within 24 hours or does it take them a week? Yep. You know, if it takes a week, red flag, just like dating. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I've had a different experience than you, Uh, (laughs) but it's true. Uh, (laughs) On on the other side is, um, you know, looking at, are they blowing smoke up your patoot or are they rude with you? You know, you need that Goldilocks zone where somebody's, going to answer your phone calls and, and emails within reason, you know, give them a day, but if they're not getting back to you within a day, maybe it's time to talk to somebody else. And, um, you know, if they're overly nice, they're covering something up. And if they're a jerk, well, nobody wants to be around them. 
<laughs> those those at least are my experiences with professionals of any sort in any yeah. industry. Um, so let's talk about some of those pitfalls. You know, I, I do want to try and shorten this one a little bit. I've been looking at our, our podcast uploads in like 30, 40 minutes. I'm like, oh, man, we get deep into some of these. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's look at a couple of scenarios where there's pitfalls where you, you're like, oh, my gosh, um, this guy is just trying to make a buck off of me. I, I can think of one. You just mentioned one. Let's let's expound upon that when they're just trying to get a larger commission, even though it's not the right uh, uh, deal for you. Yeah, and that's that's usually just trying to push push you into something that is. I mean, number one, they should never be trying to push you into something. If that's the case, then then red flag right there. Mm -hmm. They're they're trying to push you into something that is beyond what you perceive your budget to be. Yeah, that that that's a big problem. Um, I think another one that I've seen more and more is somebody refinancing with a different lender, whether it's private or uh, institutional financing, A lenders, B lenders where they try and port your, take your mortgage to somebody else just so they can make a commission. Yep. And, and, along, and along those lines with the refinance, I mean, the, the first question I always ask before someone says, hey, I want to refinance, I want to do this. Let's take the time to find out what your penalty is going to be so we know that in advance. Yeah, that's usually important. Because suddenly you're, you're like, okay, wait a second. I thought the penalty would be 3000 at 10000 This changes everything. Yeah. You know, plus the commission you're paying from the back end that that gets that gets pricey. Yeah, <laughs> not that a person actually pays the commission, but let's you know be serious about it. They actually do because it eventually comes flows back to them. You know, you know, agents get paid from the bank, but the bank just works it into their fees. So it is what it is. But um, yeah, I've definitely seen that where people get refinanced with a new lender, even. Um, I saw it once with a private mortgage and I was very disappointed in the person because I, I knew them and they were just trying to shop it around to try and get them to renew with a different lender so he could make his, his fee again. And they already had, and he made it seem like an emergency, but they already had a deal with their, their existing lender and it was going to be cheaper for them. Yeah. And that wasn't what he was doing. That, that was, that was frustrating, especially, you know, I knew everybody involved and it was, it was really disappointing to see that people are like that. Yeah, the, the, the big time where you see it a lot more is on the private side for sure. Mm -hmm. if, if you're dealing with your institutional A lenders, what I tend to see more is pressure tactics uh, where it's you've got to do this, you've got to do this, or they, they don't entirely, they either don't know or they just are saying things so they can get the deal and then call it suddenly the terms change a little bit. Well, we're, we're under time frame. I had to get it done this way. It was the only option available. So, so don't necessarily bite at, hey, they've, they've offered me a rate that's a little bit lower. And by a little bit lower, it's maybe 0.1%. <laughs> Be because, because they're saying, well, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Because oftentimes, and I mean, going back to that scenario that you mentioned that I just recently dealt with, I told them up front exactly what it was. I told them, hey, we've got this scenario that, that that rate that they're offering is available just based on the time frame. I'm not sure it can be done that way. And sure enough, they couldn't be done that way. Then they came back, they came back with with uh, pretty much what I was offering from the start. <laughs> after after they're after they're pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that uh that, that that does happen. I've heard it's not the only time I've heard it, that's for certain. Um, and you know, people have relationships with like their cousins, uncles, friends, nephew that they would like to use because they've been doing it for, you know, 
three years, but they still work at the car wash. Uh, <laughs> that might be another sign. Um, you know, I, I think really we can kind of wrap up around this. The one thing I, I want to say about this is I've seen people get into mortgages and get stuck with them, whether it's private, whether it's, it's regular A and B stuff. You got to know what you're signing before you ever sign it. And, you know, if you trust the agent, great, but it's a set it and forget it payment. That's the problem. You're looking at two to three years that you're going to be stuck with this, like a phone contract, but way more expensive and more, way more impactful to your life. And once it's done, you're there for that, that term. So make sure you either trust the person who's getting you into the mortgage or you have somebody you trust who knows mortgages to look at it before you sign it. Yeah. And, I, and ask the questions. If the person cannot explain to you, hey, how does how is my penalty calculated if I were to break this? If they can't actually do that and in plain language, I'm just not making, oh, it's the standard way or it's using this. And some, <laughs> it's like just, just break it down in a simple way. That That is a sign. I'll just say that is a sign of somebody in the mortgage industry who has educated themselves. And there are a lot of people who have not. Mm -hmm. So it's a sign that if they've not taken the time to learn that so they can educate clients properly, then is that somebody who necessarily knows enough to ensure they're looking out for your best interest? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the difference between somebody uh, flipping burgers at a diner and a chef. Yes. <laughs> Good analogy, Jeff. Let's end on a high note. <laughs> Jonathan, anything, any, anything you want to leave behind on that as well before we, uh, before we wrap up here? As always, a complete uh, pleasure speaking with you, Jeff. Thank you very much, everyone who's listening. And look forward to hearing from you soon. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jonathan. Um, uh, if you want to listen to this podcast, you can certainly uh, download it or, or download our free book from investmentpropertyincomebook.com and uh, have access to all of our podcasts, which we put out every Sunday and Tuesday. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you've got mortgage questions, investing ideas, or just want to chit chat about real estate, we'd love to have you on the show. Send us an email with be a guest in the subject line. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Appreciate all your time. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic day. And oh, if you want to send us an email, the email I should probably leave that is ipincome at a mortgageplan.com. That's ipincome at a mortgageplan.com. I really, I have the intro down. Well, I'm not so good at the outro. I need to keep practicing. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, Jonathan. Have a fantastic day and we will see you next time. Thanks, Jeff.